Okay, our scripture is Matthew 1, 18, 25. And we are going to be looking at Joseph, the husband of Mary. So this is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, it was time for me to make a decision. I had been dating Lee Ellen Bristol for three years at the University of Virginia, and I was graduated. And it was time to either fish or cut bait, as they would say. There was the safe route, which was to go about life as I had known it, or there was the risky one, to take Lee Ellen as my wife, to begin to live as a family, to enter into uncharted territory. I looked for God's counsel, uh, a sign, sky written, that would tell me what to do, but alas, none was forthcoming. I had to make this choice by faith. And lo and behold, I made the right one, because 26 years later, we have been married. A good woman can make you or break you, and she has most certainly made me. It's the choices we make that determine our destiny, right? We can often think about choices in our own life that each one of us have made and how they've affected us, the trajectory of our lives. And we see here that Joseph is confronted with a choice. In a dream, he hears from an angel that says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph wakes up, and he has a choice. He can take the safe route, and he can divorce Mary quietly, his betrothed, or he can take the risky path, the path which is the one that God is calling him to. And there will be great consequences in his life depending on what he does. Indeed, there are great consequences for the world. For if there's no father, there's no one to care for Mary and Jesus. They won't survive if he doesn't stand in the gap. Indeed, the choice that Joseph makes determines the destiny of the world. Christmas confronts us with a choice. There's the risky one, a personal encounter with the God of the universe. Or there's the play-it-safe choice, to see him, but safely, from afar, to not really ever interact with him. What Joseph's life shows us is that the safest and richest path we can take is the path of obedience to the will of God. And so we're going to look at Joseph's life and Joseph's choices, the decisions they made, and how they affected him and the world. 
We're going to look firstly at Joseph's choice, the choice that is before him, point number one. Secondly, we're going to look at Joseph's decision, the decision that he made. And finally, we're going to look at Joseph's destiny. Because the safest and richest path we can take is the path of obedience to the will of God. Let's look at Joseph's choice. A little bit of background on Joseph. Things were looking up for Joseph. He's a builder. We call him a carpenter, but he was a builder. He probably was about 18 to 20 years old, and he was now self-sufficient. He had a trade. He had skills, and it was time to stretch his wings, so to speak, and take his place in the community. And so he wanted to get married so he could have standing in the community. So he needed a wife. The wife he would be looking for would probably be somewhere between 15 and 16 years old. And just like now, it was a big deal to get married. Could make you or break you, depending on the wife that you chose. Joseph would have been familiar with Proverbs 21.9, that it is better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That's a little bit of a joke, I guess. Very small joke. What do we know about Joseph? We know a little bit about his character. Verse 19 shows us that he was righteous. He was a righteous man. And the way that he dealt with this situation showed that he was also kind. So what kind of wife would a righteous and kind man be looking for? Probably one who was full of virtue. One who loved God, who wanted to serve God, who had a sweet spirit. And for whatever reason, Joseph's eyes landed on Mary. At least that's the way we think it happened. Sometimes the father of the groom would just choose for the son. But at some point, whether it was Joseph's father or Joseph, they visited Mary's parents and expressed Joseph's intentions. And and they agreed to them. And so a marriage contract was drawn up. There was the issue of a a dowry that would be paid uh, upon when they decided to be married. And upon that time also when the contract was signed, a full year before they actually had the ceremony, Joseph would pay a bride price which would go to Mary directly and it would give her some degree of financial independence as she waited uh, for her betrothed uh, to uh, come and to take her to live with him. Unlike our marriage process, the betrothal process was one in which once they were betrothed to one another, they were considered married to one another. Joseph and uh, Mary were actually married when that betrothal process happened. But there would be a year waiting period before they would consummate that marriage. During that time, Joseph would be working on either his own house or a room addition off of his parents' house. And they would make sure that it was a year because they wanted to make sure that the bride was not pregnant. It was a way of making sure that uh, Mary was not tainted goods, to put it in a, uh, a harsh term. But you see, there was only one problem. She was. Verse 18 puts it this way. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. See, we don't see it in this passage, but Mary had heard from the angel Gabriel that she would bear a son and that the father would be God. And she had headed off to the hill country to visit with Elizabeth. And when she came back, she was showing. 
And Joseph saw, indeed the entire community saw, that Mary was pregnant. Now imagine Joseph's reaction as he's been working on this house for Mary and she comes back and she's showing. What are the feelings that Joseph had in his heart? Were they of betrayal? How could this woman have done this to me? Were they of anger? I can't believe that this is happening to me. How could she do this? Were they of confusion? God, I don't understand. I prayed for the right woman. Mary was the right woman for me, and now this is happening as Joseph's life is falling apart. But there's one thing for sure. Joseph can't marry her. Joseph won't. He is a righteous man. And so there are only two possible responses. One is to make this very public, to go to the court, to show with this incontrovertible evidence that Mary has been unfaithful. He could recoup the bride price that he's already paid. He could impound the dowry that was coming to him. He could make a public show and communicate to everyone that this child is not mine. But Joseph, being a kind and just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What that means is he was not going to do this publicly. He was going to very quietly write a certificate of divorce. He was going to hand it to Mary and to Mary's family, and he was going to wipe his hands of the matter. You see, the consequences for Mary were going to be horrible either way. It was going to be known that Mary had been unfaithful, and this was an honor-shame culture that they lived in. Mary would never marry someone. She would live with her parents if they did not expel her from their house all the days of her life. But, and thank goodness for this word in verse 20, as he considered these things, but, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that was it. Two sentences, only two sentences, in a dream no less, and the angel was gone. Joseph awoke. But it was convincing enough to him that he knew that God had spoken. And these words were reverberating in his head. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph probably remembered Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph could hardly believe it, that this child that was growing in Mary's womb, of the person that he was married to, was God himself. The one who flung all of the stars in the sky, the one whose hand reaches and spans the universe, had been encapsulated into a human form, a small seed, a small child in the womb of a pregnant teenager. And not only was this child to be God with us, but this child was the Messiah. For his name shall be Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins, from their sins. See, all of his life, Joseph had grown up hearing the stories of the Messiah, one who would finally come, who would rescue Israel 
Indeed, who would rescue the world from sin and sadness and sorrow and make everything right and restore shalom to the entire universe. This was the child in Mary's womb. But then Joseph also had to think about his own life. Yes, that's all about the world, but what about my world? What about the plans that I had? What about this house that I'm building? What about the house that I wanted to build for my family? The line that I wanted to have? Joseph, much like us, much like any young person, has a vision of what their life is supposed to look like. And this was radically different than what Joseph thought he was going to be living, the life he thought he was going to be living. Why? Me, Joseph must have thought, I'm a nobody. I'm an uneducated carpenter in the middle of a small town. But isn't that the way that God works? Like Abraham and Sarah, who are too old to have a child. And yet Isaac was born, the one through whom the whole world would be blessed. What about Zechariah and Elizabeth, who also were too old to have a child? And yet John the Baptist was to be born to herald the coming of the Messiah. The Christmas story is all about ordinary people being called into extraordinary circumstances. And so as Joseph pondered all of these things in his mind, he's left with a choice. Do I take the risky path or do I take the safe one? The risky path that has consequences to my reputation to my relationships, to my profession, or the safe path in which I go back to life and the status quo. See, the way God entered the world profoundly affected the people through who he came into the world. But when you think about it, God came into this world expressly to get close to you and me. So if God is with us, Surely he intends to shake up our lives just as much as he did with Joseph. C.S. Lewis, uh, the great uh, literature scholar and author, put it this way. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to be making any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing there, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. See, we want to make Christmas a spectator sport. It's what he did with people like Joseph back there, back then. But if Jesus is God who has come into the flesh and came into the world and rose from the dead and came to be with us, surely he intends to take us to out of our comfort zone. Joseph had his plan and his path, and it was upended. But we are to have our plan upended as well, because God has come near. But will we allow him to come near to us? 
Will we allow God to say, I have a better plan for you and I'm in it? Will you allow me to shape your life the way I did with Joseph's? I'm going to use a word that is not often used with Christmas, and that is the word scary. Christmas is scary because the one thing that Christmas cannot be is at arm's length. So what has to change for you to take the path that leads to him? Are you saying, I'm too modern? This is a story that happened back then, but surely it can't affect me the way it affected Joseph. No, that has to go by the wayside. Maybe I'm too busy. I have my life. I have my plans. I have all the things that I'm working on. And God says, stop. I've come here to visit with you, to know you personally and intimately. That has to go by the wayside too. I'm too modern. I'm too busy. How about this? I'm too settled. Too settled in my ways. I've lived on this earth a certain way all of my life. Surely not now am I going to change things. But Jesus enters into our lives like he entered into Joseph. And the safest and richest path we can take is the path of obedience to the will of God. Well, this brings me to my second point, Joseph's decision. The angel said to Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, one thing you need to understand is in this patriarchal culture, it was the father's absolute right to name his child. The father's right to do so. He had complete rights over his children and naming them was a sign of his control over the family. But God takes that away. What God is essentially saying is, is if Jesus is in your life, you are not his manager. The child is, who is about to be born is your manager. God already had a plan for this child, and Joseph's responsibility was to follow God's plan, not to create his own. See, many people want to name Jesus they want Jesus in their life, but on their own terms. And so they don't want to name him Savior, but rather Advisor. Here's someone who can come into my life, who can advise me, who can give me some advice about how to live, and I can choose to take it or deny it. But I'm in control of my life. But that's not the name that was given to Jesus. Maybe we want to name him Butler. Someone who can come and who can serve me. Who can make my life perfect. Who can respond to all of my requests, however frivolous. Who I can get mad at and send away when he doesn't obey the things I'm asking him to do. But that was not the name that Jesus was given. Not advisor, not butler, not enabler. Not the one who enables me to have a better marriage to have a better position with my company, to have better security in the world. No, his name is Savior, for he will save people from their sins. See, Joseph had a problem, and it's the same problem that you and I have, and that's that we're rebels, that all of us have said to God, thanks, but no thanks. 
God, I'm going to run my life the way I want to run it, how I want to run it, when I want to run it. And the result is, because of sin in our hearts, we don't love God the way we ought to. And we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. And ultimately, the destiny that we have is death. Just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that to, say, uh, to face judgment. But Jesus came into the world not to be enabler or advisor or butler, but savior. The only way to get close to Jesus and to acknowledge his name and to submit to him is to acknowledge Jesus and acknowledge his name and submit to him. That this child came into the world to save me. See, Joseph realized that the world needs a savior, that he needed a savior. And so what Joseph decided to do is not to name Jesus so Jesus could name him. He realized that I need a new name, that the child is the only one who can rename me, rename me from condemned to saved, from guilty to forgiven, from enemy to child of God. And it says in verse 24, Joseph making his decision. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Do you realize that you need a new name as well? That you and I need the name forgiven that we need the name known by God. It only can happen when Jesus Christ gives us a new name. Joseph made his decision, and we must as well. Why did God choose Joseph to be Jesus' father? You ever think about that? I think it comes down to one word, frankly. Courage. I think Joseph had courage. Joseph had courage to take the world's disdain. For he knew that to follow the path of marrying Jesus was to invite condemnation from the world around him down on his shoulders. Joseph had courage to admit that he was a sinner, that he did not have the right to name the Son of God, that rather he was to call his name Jesus because he needed a Savior. Joseph had courage to give up his right to self-determination, to put his life in the hands of another who would lead and he would follow. An intimate relationship with Jesus always requires courage. So this Christmas, do you want a new name? Do you want the name forgiven? Do you want the name chosen? Do you want the name Beloved? Jesus is the only one who can name you. But it requires courage. Maybe to take the world's disdain because you believe in this one who God brought to earth who was born as a baby in Bethlehem in a stable. It requires courage to admit, admit that you're a sinner, that you need a savior that you're not in charge of God, that God's in charge of you. 
Because the safest and richest path that we can take in this world is the path of obedience to the will of God. We've spoken of Joseph's choice. We've spoken of Joseph's decision. And now finally we speak of Joseph's destiny. I'm sure Joseph had many, many questions. But he made the decision to trust God and to live God's way. Can you imagine that scene when he went to Mary for the first time and said, I believe you. I'm with you. We're in this together. How Mary must have cried with tears of joy as there was someone to comfort her. Imagine what their relationship must have been like. The richness of it. The blessing of being able to come together under the will of God. Imagine what their wedding night was like. They probably played Uno or Scrabble and went to bed after Joseph took a cold shower. But you see, they were in it to follow God for the will of God. Their life was challenging. It was hard. There was that hard journey to Bethlehem for the census where Jesus was born. And then they had to flee to Egypt because Herod chose to kill every single child, two years old and under. In fact, we don't know how long Joseph lived. We just know that by the time Jesus started his public ministry, that Joseph had died. And Joseph had to ask the question, oh God, how's this going to work out? But he got to experience the promises of God. He got to parent the Messiah. He had a front row seat raising the Son of God. Can you imagine hearing the words that came out of Jesus' mouth as a child? The understanding, the wisdom to be close, that close to the Messiah, to parent him, to be called his dad. Joseph got to experience what Jesus said in Luke 18, 29. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Joseph got to realize something that we must realize. That life is more than about the perfect life that we envision in our heads. It's about living God's life, God's plan, God's destiny. So this Christmas season, have you realized it yet? We spend so much time carving out the perfect life for ourselves that it's so easy to miss the far richer life that God has for us. God has a plan for you and me, and it's far richer than anything we could ever imagine. Joseph got to see it and see the countless ways in which God worked. If you want to see God work in your life, you have to do what Joseph did. You can choose the safe path or you can choose the risky path. But Christmas isn't safe. Christmas is scary. Scary in a beautiful sort of way. Trust him for a perfect destiny, because Christmas is about courage. Remember, in the end, that the safest 
and richest path that we can take is the path of obedience to the will of God. This Christmas, the choice is before you. Which path will you take? The path of Joseph or the path of everyone else? Let it be Joseph. We're confronted with Joseph's choice. We must take the decision of Joseph and we will experience and reap the destiny that Joseph did as well. Because the safest and richest path we can take is the path of obedience to the will of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for this picture of Joseph, a young man who chose to take the risky path to be obedient to you, to let you name him. God, let us draw close to you. Let us not choose the safe path. Let us forsake everything that we might know you personally, that we would draw near to you, for you surely want to draw near to us. That's the reason that you came into the world, and that's the reason that you're called Savior. Oh, we love you, and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.